Welcome to episode 196. I'm Emma Scott, Senior Workplace Relations Consultant at BHAA. Joining me today is Bream Marinier, Workplace Relations Consultant. Hi, Emma. Welcome. So, you know the usual task with the um, podcast. There's a clue, what we, which we're going to show on screen, um, which is video. All right. It's the love of my life, Ali Lowy. I'm up here because of you. I love you so much. To my family, maman, papa, Jeff, hommage vous adore, Matt Pluff, you kicked this off, and Damien Chazelle, we're standing on your shoulders. We lost, by the way, but, you know. I'm sorry, no, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. This is not a joke. This is not a joke, I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke, Moonlight has won Best Picture. Moonlight, best picture. So, now that we've played that video, what actually happened there? I remember this um, quite fondly. Um, so it's at the Oscars and they announced the winner of the best picture was La La Land and it was actually Moonlight. So they stuffed up and they gave the award to the wrong people accidentally. Yeah, so that was a very, very memorable moment of 2017 that I think most movie buffs will remember. Can you um, remember any other significant thing that may have happened in 2017 other than that? Uh, no, nothing's standing out. Okay, well, um, what it is is we actually did our first podcast that outlined some information in relation to the NERR process. Um, and its impacts on bargaining, which we are going to revisit today because there's been some changes in the legislation since we had done that. Yes, very memorable. Second most memorable thing to come out of 2017. So what is the NERR? So the NERR is the Notice of Employee Representational Rights and there's a requirement under the Fair Work Act 2009 that employees be issued with the notice as soon as practicable and not later than 14 days after an employer agrees to bargain for a new enterprise agreement. So it outlines what an enterprise agreement is and it notifies employees that the particular employer has agreed to bargain for a new enterprise agreement and who they should contact for further information. And what is its purpose? So the main purpose is to notify employees that they have a right to be represented by a bargaining representative in the bargaining process. And who can be a bargaining representative? So if an employee is a member of the union, then the, in, the union is essentially entitled to represent that um, employee's interest by default, unless the employee appoints another person or breaks the union status. And what if an employee isn't a member of a union or they don't want the union to represent them? Well, if they want to get um, another person to represent them or represent themselves, they need to provide a copy of an instrument appointment outlining that to the employer in terms of what choice they are making. And what should an employer do if they receive such a notice from an employee to represent themselves or another person? So what they should do is um, provide that notice to ourselves so we can um, have a discussion with the employee to confirm they understand the bargaining process and then also make arrangements for them to be involved in the bargaining process. 
Okay, so do employers need to write the NERRs themselves? No, so Section 174 of the Act requires that the NERR conforms to a particular standard. Uh, the content and form of what's required is outlined in the Fair Work Regulations 2009. Um, but currently what we do is we tailor the individual NERRs for employers um, so that it contains the prescribed content. Uh, so we put the employer name and we also put the appropriate coverage for the replacement um, agreement in there and PDF them for employers. So not only do employers not need to draft anything, but more importantly, they actually shouldn't? Yeah, that's correct. So there has been some areas with uh, Fair Work Commission decisions where because of there wasn't strict compliance with the NRR that there have been issues with getting the agreement approved. And in past years, there has come out uh, a series of decisions in the Fair Work Commission in relation to the NERRs. Um, what has the Commission's approach been? So before the Act was amended in 2018, the Commission took an extremely strict and technical approach. Uh, in one particular case, the full bench concluded that the NERR was invalid um, because it was stapled to two, uh, with two other documents. And then in another application, some an enterprise agreement was dismissed um, because the employer referred to the wrong website. So instead of the Fair Work um, Ombudsman website, it referred them to the Fair Work Commission website, which was not in strict compliance with the NERR. So what did this mean for employers? So it meant that the, the employers could not do a number of things. So for example, we've got some items shown on screen. So you couldn't put a date on the notice. You also couldn't put the it on the employer's letterhead. You couldn't put employer contact details in it. You also couldn't incorporate the NERR into an email, given that it will have the person's email signature in it. So it should be attached as an attachment um, or also attach other documents with the notice as it may be viewed that the employees thought that those other documents might be part of the NERR process or part of the document itself. Okay, so has the Commission's approach changed since these decisions? Yeah, so um, in 2018, as a result of the 2015 Productivity Commission, um, the Act was changed because they provided some recommendations that the Commission should be able to overlook minor procedural or technical errors when um, looking at approval of enterprise agreements. And what part of the Act was amended? So it was in relation to uh, section 188 of the Act. So there was an additional subclause, and section 188 of the Act sets out the circumstances in which the employees will be to will be considered to have generally agreed uh, to the enterprise agreement, which is one of the requirements for approval. And what were the specific changes? So it was in relation to subsection 188 too. Uh, so it was just making sure that the Commission could be satisfied um, that an agreement was generally agreed to if, but for minor procedural or technical errors made in relation to the requirements regarding the NERR, that the pre-approval steps or the voting process through which employees approve a proposed agreement and the employees covered by the agreement were not likely to, be have, to have been disadvantaged by the errors in relation to those requirements. And how is this new provision being applied? 
There have already been a number of decisions made by the Commission where it's where it had actually considered what constitutes a minor procedural or technical error. So we'll just go through some of those errors um, that haven't prevented the approval of an enterprise agreement. So one of them was that an out-of-date version of the NDRR was provided to employees. Uh, the final paragraph that was altered to instead of saying speak to your employer, it said speak to your manager and it provided a particular details of a person um, to contact. Then there was also um, in relation to six, section 174, um, it requires a particular reference to saying that an agreement can be set for a period of up to four years. So a particular employer had actually outlined what the agreement duration was being proposed versus what the maximum was. Uh, the legal name of the employer was replaced by its trading name. Uh, also, there was an instance where an employer put the acronym for their uh, employer name versus their full legal name. Uh, also, the first paragraph in the NEWR didn't actually put, didn't have the name of the employer in it. Uh, or the name of the proposed agreement or the proposed coverage. Um, however, that detail was actually accompanied by a cover letter that contained that information. Uh, and there was also a particular circumstance where the NEWR was distributed to uh, people on site. Uh, however, two employees on long-term absences were overlooked. And so the employer sent the NEWR uh, to those employees on leave two weeks after the 14 days that um, is usually required. And then there was also another example where the uh, employer essentially put the notice on their company letterhead, uh, but the rest of the content was not changed. Okay, have there been any recent examples where these errors weren't found to be minor, so they were actually major? Yeah, so there's um, a couple that we'll go through. So one of them was in relation to the NEWR. Um, it specified that the agreement would cover, uh, I think it was four sites, um, which included two future sites and two existing sites. However, in the final agreement, it covered three sites. And what it did was it actually included a new group of employees um, working in the roles that weren't actually existent in the previous enterprise agreement um, that was issued when the NEWR was originally done. Uh, and then also one particular notice omitted the requirements that outlined what the union's role was in the bargaining process. So this was seen as, I guess, a core requirement of the um, NEWR that's designed to make sure that employees are fully aware of what their representational rights are. So given these decisions, what's the most important consideration when applying the new section 188.2? So in each case, the Commission uh, considered the actual effect of the error um, and what it had or was likely to have on the employees um, being able to participate in the bargaining process. So although there are some examples of errors made that didn't actually stop approval, each error will be assessed on a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah, that's, that's correct. So it's likely that the same error may be categorised as minor in one set of circumstances, but it may be major in another. And then that affects the ability of employees, I guess, to generally agree to the proposed agreement. So there's no set rule that you might be able to apply in all instances. 
Does this mean employers don't have to be as careful when they're issuing the NERRs? So not at all. Uh, absolute compliance is really um, should be the main objective in the process. So recently there were concerns um, that had been raised by the union in relation to the public sector allied health professionals bargaining. Um, and those concerns were related to the NERR distribution as an employer had um, made some errors in sending the information to eligible employees. What had they done? So they had accidentally referenced the wrong group of employees and attached the wrong document when um, sending the information to employees. So although the error was rectified um, by the employer straight away, the union um, had some concerns about uh, that there may be similar issues across the sector that we may not know about. And what was the outcome? So the Department of Health requested that VHA take additional steps to ensure the same errors um, haven't really occurred with other employers. And what process was undertaken? So we took uh, additional steps to confirm the distribution of the NERR. So we requested members provide us with at least one um, email that was sent to eligible employees with the NERR attached. Uh, and that was either the majority of employees or la the last NERR sent. Um, and then what we did was we checked those emails to make sure that they referenced the correct uh, enterprise agreement or right group of employees. Um, and that also the correct NERR was attached to that email. Were there any additional issues that this process highlighted? Yeah, there were actually um, quite a few different categories. So there were there was a couple of employers that didn't send their NERR as an attachment. Uh, there was also an employer that put their NERR on their own memo letterhead. Um, and there was also a particular employer that had um, sent it to one group of employees under the coverage but um, missed out on a few. And then there was also one employer that had just um, placed the NERR on tea rooms, in tea rooms or notice boards but didn't, hadn't actually emailed the NERR. So are these issues capable of being rectified? Yeah, so based on previous um, advice that we've received, uh, any mistakes or omissions should be rectified prior to any ballot process through the issuing of a new NERR. What happens if the NERR is deemed non-compliant and the Commission is not satisfied that there was a minor error that did not disadvantage employees? So the Commission would not be able to approve the enterprise agreement and the bargaining process would have to recommence, which obviously isn't ideal. And this is the reason why any identified issues in relation to the distribution of the NERR should be resolved prior to any ballot occurring. Yeah, that's correct. So the Department of Health has requested that VHA take similar additional steps for the other public sector enterprise agreements uh, to reduce the risks of any issues regarding the distribution of the NERR inhibiting the approval of the enterprise agreements when they get to that stage. Okay. And what are some of the other requirements of the Fair Work Act for approval of the agreement when it comes to the voting on a proposed agreement? So employees cannot be asked to vote on an agreement within 21 days of being given the NERR. Uh, then also an employer must take all reasonable steps to ensure the employee has um, an access period of seven clear days with the agreement and any relevant material incorporated by reference in the agreement. At the start of the seven day access period, be notified of the time, place and method of voting. 
Uh, the employer must also take uh, all reasonable steps to ensure that the terms of the agreement are explained to eligible employees and that it needs to um, essentially take into account that um, there might be particular circumstances and needs of relevant employees. And one of those examples is in relation to if you might have a culturally and linguistically diverse background, uh, you might need to have information se sessions and not just provide the information in um, writing. So through the, the particular processes we have, we do provide some template letters to assist um, members with ensuring compliance with those requirements that we've got listed on screen. Have the amendments to section 188 also impacted the voting procedure? Yeah, they have. So the Commission can also consider minor procedural errors in this regard. Um, and there have been some decisions where the Commission has decided that it has been a minor error and hasn't inhibited the approval process. So one of them being the time um, between notification of the vote and the voting commencing was less than the mandated seven day access period under the relevant section um, of the Act. So the Commission considered that this was uh, a minor procedural error, um, but that the short notice had not disadvantaged employees because there was a clear majority in favour of the agreement and a large voter turnout that took um, place over a number of voting days. The second one that has also come up is that the an employer had requested an employees to approve the agreement 20, day, 20 days after the last NDRR was given. So the Commission viewed approval one day too early as a minor error that was unlikely to have disadvantaged the employees. And then there was also um, a third one where one absent employee was not provided with access to a copy of the agreement throughout the entire seven day um, period. And so uh, instead the employee had access to the material for six days. So I think similar in some of the other cases, the Commission deemed that this was a minor error that was unlikely to disadvantage the employee. But given these decisions, we still advise the statutory timelines be adhered to? Yeah, similar to the NDRR distribution, each um, error will be considered on its own merits. So the less time between notifying employees um, of the time or location of the vote and the vote taking place, and the less time allowed for voting, the more likely the Fair Work Commission will determine that the employees were disadvantaged. Once a vote has occurred, when can an employer lodge an agreement for approval? So it can occur as long as the vote is successful. So this depends on the type of enterprise agreement, but in all instances, the agreement is made when a majority of those employees who cast a valid vote approve the agreement. And what are the steps involved in lodging an agreement? So it has to be lodged within 14 days of the agreement being approved. Um, and firstly, it needs to be signed by the employer um, or bargaining representatives. And then also there's a fair bit of paperwork to be completed to um, provide to the commission as well. What is this paperwork? So we've got the F16 um, and that's the application for approval. Uh, and then that's just essentially the basic part of the application um, outlining the applicant's details any union details or independent bargaining representatives. Uh, then we also have the F17, which is a statutory declaration that supports the application for approval, which is known as the F17. And the F17 sets out a number of questions related to the requirements under the Fair Work Act that we've kind of um, briefly gone through uh, in the podcast, and then also uh, information related to uh, permitted content in the agreements.
And where does the better off overall test come in? So the um, better off overall test, which we call the boot test, is included in the F17. So this is where we compare the terms of the relevant modern award against the proposed enterprise agreement, and we outline where the agreement is less beneficial or more be beneficial um, than that relevant modern award. And from this assessment, the uh, Fair Work Commission looks at it and does their own assessment as well to um, see if they agree or don't agree with that assessment. And what happens if the base rates of pay fall below those in the relevant modern award? So where this um, occurs, an undertaking is provided to the Commission um, that ensures that the identified classifications will get paid no less than the base rates in the relevant modern award. And are there any other documents that need to be submitted? Yeah, so there's also the F18A, uh, and that has to be completed where, for the unions where they um, can put in that they agree or disagree with any of the statements that are made by the employers in the F17. Uh, they also out, can outline if they support or not support the approval of the agreement, and also they can apply to be covered by the um, agreement as well. And how long can it take the Fair Work Commission to approve an agreement? So it really depends on the situation. However, the Commission's benchmark is around 12 weeks. Um, then the employers can move on to implementation um, once the agreement commences operation seven days after approval. Great. Thanks for taking us through that, Emma. You're welcome.